welcome to the SBCA podcast, Component Connection. Hello, my name is Sean Shields, and today I'll be your host for this SBCA podcast, looking at how one component manufacturer in Ohio has become a powerful advocate for small businesses and CMs across his state. My guest is Reggie Stolzfus, owner and president of Dutchcraft Trust in Minerva, Ohio. Reggie is also a new member of the Ohio House of Representatives. Reggie, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Sean. It's an honor to join you. Thank you for inviting me to be your guest today. Absolutely. Well, Reggie, let's get into it. You told me you actually started as a framing carpenter at the age of 15. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and what drove you to eventually move to manufacturing trusses? Sure, sure. Sean, my my father was a carpenter and he was a home builder, so I grew up in the construction business. I learned at a young age how to swing a hammer and I had the entrepreneurial spirit built into me as well as a young man. And Sean, I started operating uh, my own framing crew at the age of 21. And as a frame carpenter, I got to work with wood roof trusses almost every day. And uh, I'll tell you what, they really intrigued me, working with them, how they were put together, the different designs. Um, they just really intrigued me. That, that's, that's really all I can say. Um, and, you know, I couple that with the fact that, you know, I, as I was growing up as a young man, I was also fortunate to spend some time in South Carolina. My my uncle Billy Stahl has a trailer manufacturing company. He he manufactures trailers, and I got to watch firsthand how Sean he took raw materials, steel, axles, tires, and he would weld and build these trailers, nice cattle trailers. He actually makes uh, truss trailers. Um, he would manufacture these trailers from from raw materials, and then he would deliver deliver them to his customer and it was just so cool to watch something being taken from you know the raw materials to to an end use um from start to finish and that also intrigued me and uh that always stuck with me growing up watching his trailer shop so so when i got to work with wood roof trusses and i and you couple that with the experience of watching a manufacturing facility build trailers it just put this idea in my mind that, you know, someday I could myself manufacture wood roof trusses as well. So that spurred the desire to manufacture roof trusses. And I knew it was a really big step to uh, to jump into something like that. Um, so, you know, my wife was very supportive of this idea. Um, we prayed about this for a long time and we felt the Lord lead us um, to start our wood trust company. And uh, we made our first set of trusses, Sean, in 2005, and we haven't looked back. And I'll I'll tell you what, God has continued to bless our business ever since. That's awesome. Well, can you take a moment just to go back to 2005 and describe sort of the journey that you took, both as a sort of a startup component manufacturer at the height of the housing boom, to then having to almost immediately weather sort of this prolonged housing bust, you know, what you did to navigate that, especially as a new operation. And then what you've done most recently to sort of continue to grow your business as, um, you know, the housing economy has come back? Sure, sure. Good question, Sean. Um, So when we started out um, making wood roof trusses, we didn't have much in the way of equipment. Um, We didn't have a whole lot of money as well. But what we had, we made work. And I'll tell you, if it wasn't for people that supported me, um, like Tom Wiley from Eagle Metal, you know, he came alongside me from day one. Uh, you know, I've been their customer for the last 
15 years. And uh, if it wasn't for people like him, we wouldn't be having this conversation today, Sean. So people like Tom, my, my wife was a huge supporter of us, you know, as I said earlier, starting a trust plant. She's a huge part of what we do every day. Still to this day, I couldn't do what I do without her. Um, she's an amazing woman. You know, when we started manufacturing trusses in 2005, no lumber yards would go near me simply because I was just a young man. I was 25 years old. I was making roof trusses in my detached garage. And, you know, they probably thought I was crazy. And, and rightly so, um, I probably would think uh, the same thing. I, I, I don't blame them at all. But uh, I quickly realized that the wholesale market was going to be a tough sell for me um, starting out my company. So my business model starting out was selling direct to builders, to contractors, anybody that would buy my trusses. That was my business model. These were pretty much people you knew, right, from being a framer? Exactly. I had a lot of a lot of connections with builders um, because I would frame their houses. And, and there was a number of times where I'd be framing a house and I built the trusses for the same house I was framing. So those are the connections that, that helped me get started as well. So my customer base was very diverse. I had a lot of different customers, different builders. And I think that's kind of what helped me weather the storm when the housing crash hit. And I couple that with, we had very minimal debt. Um, as I said earlier, we, we didn't have the latest and greatest machinery, but I wasn't in debt up to my ears either. So when the market went south, you know, we didn't suffer as bad as maybe some another company that was um, further in debt. So um, we were able to weather that storm. And, you know, the, the other thing that I have to uh, give credit to, yeah, I've got to give credit to God who watched over us and uh, helped us through that time because that, that wasn't an easy time. So, you know, after the housing bust, we came through that. At that point, we were, we were pretty much an established trust company. Um, we were known locally by pretty much all the builders and the lumberyards knew of us. Um, so at that point, we actually, we changed our sales platform now that we had some trust built and uh, we changed from direct sales to wholesale only sales. We, we changed to that model and we've stuck with that model ever since. And it's worked very well for us. Is that the primary sales model in Ohio that most component manufacturers sell to lumber yards? Yes, Sean. Um, most trust companies, there are a few, but most trust companies are selling wholesale. What I have found out is, you know, lumber yards are very loyal in Ohio, at least in my region. You know, if you backdoor them and, and you sell to their customer, um, their end user, um, they're not going to buy from you. But if, if you're strictly wholesale, you know, they will be loyal right back to you. So um, it's either one way or the other in our region. Okay. I wanted to take one step back and talk a little bit about, uh, you mentioned Tom Watley. How did your relationship with him begin? Well, that's an interesting question, Sean, because I've got a crazy answer for you. So um, I was just about ready to give up on this whole idea of starting a trust plant because I was having a hard time finding an affordable press. Um, I was looking for a C-plant press system. And honestly, um, I, I was having a hard time getting a bank loan. And uh, I knew about Eagle Metal. I just so happened to say, you know what, I'm going to give Eagle Metal a call. And I called him on a, I think it was a Friday night, Sean, at, gosh, it had to be six or seven o'clock um, Ohio time, Eastern time. And that, that, what would that be, Texas time? I think, I think they're one hour behind. Yeah. Definitely anyhow, closing time. It, 
it, it was after closing time, Sean, and guess who picks up the phone? None other than Tom Watley picks up the phone and says, I am Tom Watley. What can I do for you? And I didn't even know who Tom was. Um, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm just calling to see, you know, I, I know you guys sell equipment, you know, and looking for a C-clamp press system. And uh, from that moment on, you know, Tom said, hey, I can help you out. I, I can finance you. I can uh, I can sell you plates. You know, I can give you advice. And uh, we just, we hit it off um, with a bang. And uh, like I said, you know, it was a God thing for Tom, to, the owner of the company, Eagle Metal, to answer after hours and for him to, you know, supply me with the equipment I needed, the plates I needed. I didn't have a plate supplier at that time. So it, it was just, like I said, it was a God thing. And it was just, it was amazing how that relationship came together and uh, it just worked out. That's amazing. So let's fast forward a few years. You were in business for a number of years and then you related to this story to me that I, I want you to share of what prompted you for the first time to reach out to your member of Congress. What was happening? What prompted you to do that? And what were you hoping that would accomplish? Yeah, good question, Sean. So this would have been back in, gosh, 2010, I believe. Um, so, Sean, I'm a staunch conservative, and in 2010, the, the ACA, or better known as Obamacare, was being debated in Washington, and I was I was fully engaged with, you know, friends and family talking about the issue, and uh, my neighbor had the same feelings I did, and he told me, Reggie, you need to call your congressman and, and tell him what you think and tell him, you know, not to vote for Obamacare. So I took him up on that offer, and, and I called my congressman not once, not twice, but several times, um, just to, you know, let him know my position and ask him to vote no on this bill. And uh, I left the messages several times, and I never got a response from my congressman's office. Not even a staffer called. Um, and that really frustrated me that I didn't get a response. I felt like nobody was there to listen to my voice. And uh, he ended up voting yes for Obamacare. He was actually a very key vote. He was one of the last holdouts, and uh, he was a very key vote. And it made me very angry, Sean. It made me so angry that uh, it put me to the point where I said, I'm going to do something. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. So uh, at that point, um, like I said, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I started to seek out, I, I didn't know any politicians. I didn't know anybody that was in public office. So I started to seek these people out, these local elected officials, and, and try to, you know, get to know them and understand what they're doing and how do you run for office. I got involved with my uh, local county party and uh, started helping out with the county party. And I formed relationships that eventually led to a roadmap of really how to run for local office, Sean. Hmm. So what did that roadmap entail? What did, what was your first step, your first office that you ran for? Yeah, so uh, the first office I ran for was um, was a township trustee. So in Ohio, we, we are broken up into townships. And uh, my township is Paris Township. And uh, in each township, you have three trustees that are elected. And they pretty much run the township. When, when I say run the township, they take care of the roads, the township roads. They maintain them. They plow the snow. Um, they hire the workers to, you know, to do all these things, clean ditches, take care of cemeteries. 
that was the first office I ran for. Um, I campaigned in 2015. I was elected in 2015, and I started my first term as a Paris Township trustee in 2016. And I served as a trustee for three years. What was the term for that position? Was it a two-year thing? Did you get reelected, or was it a four-year thing? Or so, good question. That that was a four-year term, and uh, I served three of the four years. And uh, so, the reason I did not serve out my entire term was I got elected to the um, Ohio General Assembly, and uh, you can't serve in two offices simultaneously. So, I had to resign from that office to serve in the Ohio General Assembly. Okay, so before we get to that part, I'm just curious. That's a lot of added responsibility. As you're, you're talking about any elected office, certainly the higher up you get, the more time of commitment that entails. But even taking on something additional like your township um, position, I mean, that's a demand on your time. How did you talk with your wife and your coworkers and your business partners about like balancing uh, that new responsibility with having to run this small business? Well, good question. Um, and again, um, I can't say enough about my wife, Sean. She is an amazing woman. She is supportive in every endeavor that I've ever started out on. Um, she's always been by my side. It, it's never just me doing something. She is she's by my side, supporting me, um, doing what it takes to uh, be successful at, at whatever I put my hand to. And, and that's a real blessing to have her as my wife. Um, so along with that, um, it, it is a strain on your time, most definitely. It's a challenge. Um, you've got to be able to schedule your time and make time. Um, you know, as a trustee, a trustee wasn't as demanding as a, as a state representative. Um, a trustee, when I say we plowed road, plowed snow, and we took care of roads, we, we have employees that did that, but we, we had to look after the employees. We had to hire them. Um, but there were other responsibilities that you had to to do as a township trustee. You just had to make time. A lot of it was after work. I would meet with residents about, you know, a drainage issue, you know, at six, seven, eight o'clock at night. The work wasn't always a nine to five job. You know, it was meeting with people after hours, but uh, it's a struggle. It definitely is. And uh, you have to want to do it. If you're going to be successful at it, you, you have to want to do it. And you got to put the time in and the efforts and the hard work to, to be successful. So obviously in your, your years as a township trustee, you appreciated that work. You saw some value in it. So what is it that prompted you to want to run for a state office then to sort of take the next step? Yeah, so um, so Sean, I'm, I'm very passionate about helping families thrive. And my campaign slogan is strong families equals a strong Ohio. Mm. And there are many issues in Ohio that, that need addressed we have a foster care system in Ohio that needs some attention. It's a broken system. Our adoption system is broken. We have 16,000 children in foster care in Ohio today, and, and that's a problem. And those are things that, uh, that I want to, to help fix. You know, our schools in Ohio, we're trying to stay afloat um, because of lack of funding. And, and, and how do you fix that? How, how do you fix those issues? Um, that's something I want to be a part of the answer on. And there's a lot of defense that is played as well at the state house. Um, and sometimes you don't hear about that so much, but, but I play a lot of defense. And what I mean by that is I'm a small business owner. I'm here to protect small businesses as well. 
Um, like I said, from the get-go, when I called my congressman to tell him to vote against Obamacare, I was looking out for, you know, myself. I don't like the government's hands in, in anything, really, and in something as large-scale as our health system, but also how it would affect small businesses. And, uh, and, and I have seen personally how Obamacare has affected small businesses by premium skyrocketing. So I play a lot of defense um, here at the State House when it comes to protecting small businesses. Believe it or not, there's a portion of the population of legislators who are ignorant as to how hard it is to operate and maintain a small business. A lot of them think small business owners spend a lot of their time on their yachts. Um, no joke. Um, which, you know, which those of us who have sacrificed and earned what we have, you know, know that that is very far from true. I'm a small business owner, Sean. I'm working in the legislature three days a week in Columbus. I'm back home, you know, on Mondays and Fridays working at my my business. Um, I don't have time to be on a yacht, even if I could afford a yacht. But uh, um, it's the mentality that, you know, businesses, let's regulate them, let's tax them. Um, it's that mentality that really makes me want to work hard for the people of Ohio because I know that if we overregulate and we overtax our businesses, we're not going to have any businesses um, to employ people. So there's a lot of defense that gets played on that end. So, uh, so yeah. Well, let me ask you, you've been in your office now a little over a year. Uh, what's been your experience? I mean, is it what you thought it would be like? What's your, your typical work week look like? You said Mondays and Fridays you're at your plant, Tuesday through Thursday you're at the State House. What, what's your experience? Walk us through that. Okay, yeah, sure. So first off, in Ohio, we are term limited. So that means I can only serve four terms, four two-year terms, a total of eight years. So I'm a new representative a year ago. Um, every two years, 25% of the legislature overturns and there's new representatives and when you're new to the legislature i'll just be very honest we're very green we don't know everything that's going on um, um how the system works we have a rough idea but how it really works and all the issues and, and and everything that goes along with this job there's a lot of learning that takes place and my first year i learned a ton sean and i'm still learning a ton every day i'm learning i'm probably going to learn as long as I'm down here. So, you know, when we talk about term limits, that's the downside to term limits is, you know, I can only be here for eight years, which is a, it's just a good thing. We'll get new blood in here after I leave. Um, but that new person will have to start over with the knowledge base because the institutional knowledge that I will have at that point, I'm going to take with me. So that's the downside to term limits. So with that being said, you know, is it how I thought it would be? I would say the answer is yes and the answer is no. You know, two things I will tell you that I've learned. Number one is there is only a handful of people that you can really, really trust. You know, I've got a lot of colleagues that think like me. Um, we are a very red state, Ohio is. We have a Republican House, we have a Republican Senate, we have a Republican governor. But again, there's only a handful of colleagues that I really, really trust, Sean. So that's number one. The second thing is I am a, a guy that likes to get things done. If there's a problem, you know, take for instance at my business, if there's a problem, a forklift breaks down and, and we need to buy a new forklift, let's go buy a new forklift. If we need to change a process, 
in our manufacturing process, a procedure. Let's make the change and let's move on. Um, let's fix it and move on. Not so with government. And that's one thing I've learned. I'm a get it done kind of guy. And I've had to put the brakes on that mentality and understand that, you know what, at the state level in government here, um, it, it's, it's slow moving. Things don't happen overnight like like I want them to, or like I, I'm used to having them um, happen. It takes time. If you want to get something done here in Columbus, State House, you've got to talk to all the legislators. Um, you know, you've got to form the relationships. You've got to convince people why why this should be changed and how you're going to change it. And then if they don't like how that looks, then you're going to have to change it a little bit so that they like it. So that's the second part that I would say was a big learning curve for me was just understanding that, you know, things don't happen overnight like I'm used to. It takes time. So um, a little bit about my week. So Mondays, Monday mornings I, I spend at my plant. We do production meetings with my managers. And uh, I'm typically there most of the day Monday. And I'll, I'll meet with constituents on Mondays in the district because I'm in the district. I'm not in Columbus. So if a constituent wants to meet for coffee or lunch, I will do that on Mondays. And then I'm down in Columbus on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, typically. And then on Fridays, same as Monday. I'm, I'm back at my business, making sure everything's going well, kind of tying things up for the week. And then I'm also meeting with constituents if they would want to meet on a Friday, again, for lunch or coffee. And then that pretty much wraps up my week. Saturdays, I would say about half the time Saturdays, I have an event that I go to within my district. You know, it could be um, a Chamber of Commerce event. It could be um, it could be anything, any type of event you can imagine that a politician would go to. Those are the events that uh, that I attend. Um, so I have a pretty busy schedule Monday through Saturday, and uh, you know it's it keeps me going. It keeps me moving. I bet, hey, Reggie. I'm just sort of curious on those Saturdays. I mean, you are a manufacturer. You have a manufacturing facility, but do you take tours of other manufacturing facilities in your district? Yes, yes, I have taken tours of several different uh, manufacturing facilities. Um, that's the cool part about this job, really, it is, um, because business owners are usually very open to inviting you in, showing you what they do, and, you know, giving you a hands-on look at, at their business. And that's fun to me, to go into a business and see how things operate and different things are made. Um, I really enjoy that. We, we get to do that a lot and uh, to see how people operate their businesses. And most business owners, like I said, are anxious to show us what uh, they're doing. Reggie, you mentioned that uh, you are interacting with your constituents, uh, whether it's during coffees or lunches, whether it's probably in the state house during the week, or it's you know, even on plant tours or uh, those sorts of events on Saturdays. Uh, you're interacting with your constituents over time. You're probably developing some good relationships with some of them. Can you talk a little bit about how meaningful those relationships with your constituents are to you as you're trying to do your job as a state lawmaker? Yeah, good question, Sean. So a lot of my constituents, the interaction takes place when, when they reach out to me with a problem or an issue that they're having at a specific time. And as their state representative, it's my job to be responsive and accessible. Um, if they email me or call my office, I'm going to if it's a big problem, I'm going to call them as soon as I can and uh, find out the specifics and see if I can't help them out. I can't help them out every time, but uh, if I can help them out in any way, I will at the drop of a hat. And uh, 
you know, when I meet with constituents, I have a lot of constituents that just want to meet and, you know, tell me their opinion on an issue or ask, you know, why did you vote that way? You know, I would rather you have voted this way. And uh, those are good meetings. Um, the constituents feel like they're being heard. Um, I'll have coffee with anybody, Sean. If, if somebody wants to have coffee with me, I will meet them anywhere in the district. I'll meet them down here in Columbus. We'll have coffee. We'll sit down. We'll talk about whatever they want to talk about. We may not agree on the issues. Um, we may not agree on what they expect out of me, but I will sit down. I will hear them out. Um, I will give them that. And uh, so far, you know, I've been a state rep for a little over a year now. So far, that's worked beautifully because, like I said, my constituents feel like they are being heard. They feel like the system works. Um, when they call, they get an answer. And uh, sometimes my aide will call them back. But typically, if it's a real problem or if they want to meet, they're going to get to talk to me and I'm going to meet with them and uh, they're going to get one-on-one -on -one service. Yeah, Do you feel like most of I, I your have... colleagues sort of operate that same way? Do most of the other lawmakers that you work with, do they have sort of that same mentality towards their constituents? Yeah, I think uh, most of them do, Sean. There are a few lawmakers here that, uh, you know, probably do just enough to get by. But uh, I think for the most part, um, if you want to keep your job as a, as a representative, you need to be accessible. You need to be responsive to your constituents. And uh, I would have to believe that most of my colleagues are are doing the same thing I am doing, meeting with their constituents and uh, helping them out wherever they can. Um, that's our job. If a constituent's got a problem, it's my job to help them if I can. If the law is written in, in such a way that it is harmful or detrimental to them, then I need to change that or at least try to change that. So again, that's my job as a representative and uh, that's why I, I try to do my best every day. So. Reggie, what I'm hearing from you is your mentality as a state lawmaker is that um, you're, you're there to serve on behalf of your constituents. And if, if they have an issue, you need to do whatever you can do to sort of help them out. So that's the value proposition to your constituents. Reach out to me and maybe I can do something for you. Can you walk me through then, given that value proposition, um, what should a component manufacturer or somebody else in this industry uh, do to effectively build a relationship with a lawmaker like yourself? Like, what's the first step and what should they do after that first step? And that's a very good question, Sean, because at, at one point, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know any of my legislators, my representatives, um, and I didn't know where to start. So what I would tell um, component manufacturers is get to know your, your state legislators, your representatives, your state senators. Um, Typically, they are very accessible, and they will or should, at the very least, listen to what you have to say, whether it be a phone call, um, whether it be a cup of coffee. I would say if you really want to talk to them, invite them to your, to your facility, to your plant, and give them a tour. All politicians love to tour plants like we just talked about, and uh, it's a great opportunity for a photo op for your legislator and yourself. And... Uh, it's just a great way to build a relationship, you know, either over coffee or give them a plant tour. And once you have that relationship built, Sean, um, you just build upon that. Um, you, you get to where that legislator will trust you. And when there's an issue that comes up that's around manufacturing or small business, and if the legislator isn't quite sure, you know, which way he should be on this issue, which side he should be on, um, he just might call that component manufacturer up and say, hey, this issue has come up. 
and uh, I just wanted to get your take on it. What do you think I should do? You know, where do you stand on this issue? Um, there's several of my constituents that I bounce ideas off of all the time because they're professionals, you know, in either the healthcare field or uh, educators and, uh, you know, in areas that I'm not very well versed on, I will call them and I will get their opinion. They're trusted advisors to me and uh, they're very valuable to me in that sense. So building those relationships um, with your legislators is key. They will listen to you. Let me say this, Sean, we have lobbyists at the state house here in Columbus. Lobbyists aren't necessarily bad people. Um, they help you understand what's going on with different legislation. They are going to lobby you, and they have a customer they're lobbying for. So they want you to vote a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that it's much more powerful when my constituents call me and say, Reggie, or write me a personal note or a personal letter, and they say, Reggie, here's my issue with this piece of legislation. I'd like you to vote this way, and you know, if you want to talk about it, give me a call. And I call them, we talk about it, I get their take on it. A constituent is much more powerful than a lobbyist, in my eyes, um, because they're the ones that vote me in, lobbyists don't. So again, forming those relationships is key. It's key to getting things done that you want to get done as a component manufacturer. And uh, I just, I can't stress that enough that it might be a, a big step to reach out to a, a legislator, um, but it's not that big of a step. Just take it, and I think people will be surprised at the reaction they get from their legislators, especially if you invite them out for coffee or a plant tour. Well, it's a good reminder that they're human beings too, right? That <laughs> have their own journey to wherever, however they ended up at that elected seat that they're holding, but they're just like everybody else, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, Richard, last question for you. You're a year in, uh, I'd imagine that you're having to start thinking about running again. Uh, are you gonna do it? Are you gonna run again? Absolutely, Sean. Um, so I had to file paperwork, oh, two months ago to run again in 2020. So it, right. it, we, we serve two-year terms here in Ohio. So it's a constant campaign. You're working, but you're also campaigning. It doesn't stop. I'm going to be on the ballot in November, you know, and I was just sworn in a year, a little over a year ago. So um, it's constant working and campaigning, and I love it. I'm enjoying what I do. I enjoy serving my constituents. I hope I'm doing a great job for them. I try every day to do so. And uh, I'm gonna be here until you know God tells me otherwise. And at the same time, your business seems to be uh, doing very well. Yes, it is holding its own. Now I will be completely honest with you. Last year was probably the most challenging year of my life. Um, it didn't have because... anything to do with lumber prices, did it? <laughs> So, yeah, simply because uh, lumber prices, yes. Um, but, uh, you know, just being away from the business for a long period of time each week. And, uh, you know, I've got four children as well. And trying to spend time with my children, spend time with my wife, Jeanette, and operate my business and be down in Columbus being a state representative, it was challenging. It was a rough year, but we got through it and we're better for it. Um, our family's stronger for it. We probably had our best year ever um, last year, honestly. We had a really good year, so I can't complain. You know, it, things are going well, and uh, business is going well. Got great people um, working for me, managing the company while I'm not there, and, uh, you know, just blessed. Just blessed, Sean.
Well, Reggie, thank you so much for taking time today to join us on our podcast. You're quite welcome. And once again, thank you for inviting me to share a little bit about what I do. And uh, hopefully this will help some component manufacturers reach out to their legislators and, uh, you know, invite them out for coffee or a plant tour and, uh, and form those relationships. Excellent. Reggie, thank you so much. I'd also like to thank our listeners for spending this time with us and hopefully getting some insight into how you can be an effective advocate for your business and foster future opportunities for growth. Thank you for listening to SBCA's podcast, Component Connection. We are committed to bringing you a variety of information via this podcast. Please email your feedback or suggestions for future topics to podcast at sbcindustry.com. 